Good morning. Our reading is from 2 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth speaks boldly against my enemies, because I rejoice in your salvation. There is no one holy like the Lord. Indeed, there is no one besides you, nor is there any rock like our God. Boast no more so very proudly. Do not let arrogance come out of your mouth, for the, God, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and with him actions are weighed. The bowels of the mighty are shattered, but the feeble gird on strength. Those who are full hire themselves out for bread, but those who are hungry cease to hunger. Even the barren gives birth to seven, but she who has many children languishes. The Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and rich. He brings low, he also exalts. He raises the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with nobles and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he set the world on them. He keeps the feet of his godly ones, but the wicked ones are silenced in darkness. For not by might shall a man prevail. Those who contend with the Lord will be shattered. Against them he will thunder in the heavens. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king, will exalt the horn of his anointed. Father, we thank you for this great passage. It really talks a lot about you, you, Father, you, Lord God, you being the great one, the mighty one, the powerful one, the holy one. And God, you are the one that judges and, and will judge the wicked. And you're the one who blesses those who are righteous, those who look to you, those who are poor and needy. You will help them, Father. Thank you for these verses, this truth, these promises really to us. And then we read you're sovereign over everything, even over life and death, those who live and those who die. You are sovereign. We thank you, Lord, for this great passage because we know we're going to hear about prayer today and we need to understand that we can pray to you and you want us to pray to you and you want to answer us and we thank you for that. But just thank you now for this time. Just give your grace and wisdom to Bruce as he shares and might our ears be ready to hear your truth. We just thank you again. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, everyone. So does that sound like uh, Hannah has uh, our knows the Lord very well? Uh, I think so, right? She, uh, she has an a intimate relationship with the Lord. I know that's what I desire. I'm sure it's what every one of you desire also. And I think about her prayer life there that we were looking at, and I, I think it contributes to her relationship to the Lord, and it reflects her relationship with the Lord. Probably what we mostly thought of there was how it reflects. You know, she talks, as Steve said, about God's character and who he is. And, um, but it also, um, you know, it contributes to that relationship because she's giving glory to God and praising God and so forth. Um, you know, just not going to read the whole thing over again, but just to reflect on a few phrases that she uses. You know, the the, the bowels of the mighty are shattered, but the feeble gird on strength. You know, the Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes the rich or makes the poor and the rich. You know, that's who he is. She just has such a good grasp, but it's because, again, because of 
what she's praying and what she's experienced and how she knows that character. It's just very encouraging to me. I'm, I'm excited about that. And I would say, uh, you know, God's been working on me personally in uh, the area of prayer um, in January. Um, my wife, Carol, and I learned that her uh, breast cancer that had been uh, 13 years ago had returned. And, uh, and, uh, and at that time in January, I had a verse on my table next to me to be meditating on, and it was um, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. And it says, uh, Rejoice always, pray continually, in all things give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And I'll say God was, was really drew me to, um, you know, pray continually. I, that's one area that I thought that's something I need to work on, I need to understand better. And so at the same time, I was going through the Old Testament and, um, going, and looking at, you know, Hannah's prayer life. Um, so, you know, and how she applied it and so forth. And uh, I thought, well, you know, there's a lot in there about praying continually. Uh, there's a lot of other gems, too, and we'll look at those today also. But, but so that's why I was, I was drawn to uh, 1 Samuel. Uh, we're talking about chapters 1 and 2 uh, that we'll look at. Two that we just looked, uh, the prayer that we just looked at was more it's in 2. So we're going to jump up to the front and see how you know, what, what really led to that prayer, starting out in Samuel 1. And these first couple of verses, I'll say it, it tells us who, who is Hannah. So uh, verses 1 and 2, um, I'll read them here. It says, Now there was a certain man from uh, Ramathea Zophim, from the hill country of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Ziph, an Ephraimite. He had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Penahah. And Penahah had children, but Hannah had no children. So, so we learn that Hannah is known for something that she wasn't really excited about. She was known to be barren. Um, and commentaries say that she was probably the first wife, and then the second wife, Pinahah, was married to, to bear children. And you might think, oh, how does polygamy fit into this? <laughs> and uh, in the commentaries, it was saying that, well, polygamy was tolerated at that time. But if you remember back in Genesis, uh, chapter 2, verses 24, uh, you know, it says, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So God never really intended for us to have polygamy. It was tolerated at that time, but um, it's not what we need to focus on today. So uh, uh, that gives us again, who, who is Hannah? We know she's barren. We know she's married, and she's in a situation with another wife that the husband has. And what did worship look like? at this time. Well, verses 3 and 4 get into this. Um, I'll read this. So, uh, now this man would go up from his, up from his um, city yearly to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. 
and the two sons of Eli, Hopni, and Phinehas were priests to the Lord there. When the day came that Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Pinehah, his wife, and to all other sons and daughters. So it was a regular occurrence to go up to Shiloh and worship three times a year, it says. Um, they didn't mention three times, but that's what it was at the time. Uh, portions that they mentioned, that was part of the peace sacrifice. And once that was sacrifice was done, there, uh, portions of that were given to the worshipers to eat. Um, and then, you know, so this was a continual practice for Hannah, her and her husband. They would go up there. And I think of it just similar as, you know, we, would, we come here every Sunday or thereabouts to worship God and to pray. And so that was a continual thing they did, relating back to the, you know, praying continually. Um, so that's one way they worked that into their lives. And now we see what's the human response to God's sovereignty. Um, in verse 5 it says, But to Hannah he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had closed her womb. Her rival, however, would provoke her bitterly to irritate her, because the Lord had closed her womb. It happened year after year, as often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she would provoke her, so she went and would not eat. So when I say human response to God's sovereignty, I'm saying, talking about the fact that Hannah was barren. That was God's sovereignty, that she was barren. And we see that the human response is that exceptions were made. Uh, the husband showed favoritism. <laughs> uh, it says he gave a double portion to Hannah and to her family, um, or to her at that time. And uh, <clears throat> so the husband was doing that, and Hannah, she was getting caught up in the rivalry with Pinahah. You know, so she had a human response that, and maybe you can relate to these, right? Maybe you've, maybe you've expected favoritism in your life from someone whatever it's for, you know, whether it's at a job or friendships or what have you, and, or maybe you've engaged in rivalry with someone. It can be easy to, to, you know, let things get to you and react that way as, as she did. She let it upset her. It says she wept and wouldn't eat. You know, it obviously got to her terribly. Um, and that's life. You know, life is tough. We, we have these human responses. Um, and part of that, too, was she was irreconcilable, it says. Um, in verse 8, it says, Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep, and why do you not eat, and why is your heart sad? Am I not better to you than ten sons? So the husband's saying, am I not enough? <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe you can relate to that in your relationships, too, that you know, you look at people and they get all these other distractions and you're like, wait a second, I'm here, I'm, I'm enough, right? I mean, God says that to us. You know, I mean, we, he's given us salvation, he's given us everything, and we, maybe, you know, maybe you're distracted by, uh, you know, well, yes, I've got salvation, but I really like to be a little bit better off, you know, health-wise or, you know, money-wise or my house or what have you, and, and, I just thought that's a little side portion there that, you know, aren't, isn't God enough for us? And, and we can be irreconcilable as Hannah was, back to Hannah. Um, so these are real aspects, and, 
And for her, it brought about distress, right? Um, it bring, and distress brings on prayer. We, we see this in, in verse 9. Um, it says, Then Hannah rose, and after e- eating and drinking in Shiloh, Uh, Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the temple of the Lord, and she greatly distressed, prayed to the Lord, and wept bitterly. And that to me is a a normal human response. You know, we can, uh, in society, we can shy away from uh, weeping and and bitterly, Um, but it's a normal response. It's part of... uh, you know, our relationship with the Lord. Um, and now we see that, you know, Hannah did that. She prayed. And then she did something maybe a little bit unusual that maybe you haven't experienced in your life. And I can't say that I, say that I have a lot myself, but she makes a vow to the Lord. And um, we see this in verse 11. It says, she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant, and remember me, and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and a razor shall never come on his head. So this is, um, uh, did a little bit looking into uh, what they call a Nazarite vow. In number six, chapter six, it talks about this some. Um, and a vow is related to the word wonder or out of the ordinary. So, Nazarite in Hebrew means dedicated by separation. So, we saw that um, uh, this with Hannah, and the, the Nazarite would separate himself from the Lord as far as separating from grapes, separating from cutting their hair, and from being around a dead body. So they had certain things that they would separate from and then dedicate themselves to the Lord. And you saw this too or see this in uh, Acts chapter 18, verse 18. Paul made a vow. So it's, you see it throughout the Bible. Um, so we've got Hannah, and she's vowing, Lord, if you will give me a son that I will separate from him and, uh, and dedicate him to serve you, all of his life. So not just a separating, um, but there's a dedication to the Lord. And I will say a bold uh, dedication, right? You're talking about she's dedicating a child. You know, it's not her making a commitment, but she's committing her child. And... I think of today's society, you know, you might be thinking, well, yeah, can I do that with a child? I mean, you know, the child in today's society, things change, you know. Instead of going to live with the priests, you know, they want to come back home, right? We see, see that in today's society. Children come back or, or, you know, the kid decides, well, I don't want to be a priest. You know, I want to, I want to come back and change my career, right? So... Again, she's making a bold, a bold statement. Um, you know, we can hesitate to to do such things for a specified time. You know, a lot of times a short time period. Here she is dedicating Samuel for his life, right? 
And as we said, you know, in a certain career you know, as a priest. Um, so I'm not saying I have the, the, the right prescription there for that vow and what you might do, but, you know, we do learn from Hannah to be big and bold in our, in our vows um, that we might make with the Lord. And then we see that Hannah is non-conforming. You know, you've got, in verse 12, it says, it says, now it came about as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli was watching her mouth. As for Hannah, she was speaking in her heart, only her lips were not moving, but her voice was not heard. So Eli thought she was drunk. So her lips were moving. She wasn't, she wasn't really speaking. Eli thought she was drunk. Then Eli said to her, how long will you make yourself drunk? Put away your wine from you. So often at that time in public speaking, um, people would do so out loud, or public prayer, I mean, they would pray out loud. So Eli's looking at her and thought she was drunk because her lips were moving, but nothing was coming out. So, um, you know, just a thing, sign of the times there. Um, but I, I think for me the point is that, you know, Hannah was not thinking about conforming to what was normal. She was just, she was going through prayer, and she was heavy into it. And probably a lot for us to learn there as far as not conforming necessarily. That's not what God's looking for. But even more importantly, in the next verses, we'll see that she poured out her soul. So let's look at that in verse 15. It says, But Hannah replied, No, my Lord, I am a woman oppressed in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant as a worthless woman, for I have spoken until now out of my great concern and provocation. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant your petition that you have asked of him. She said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. So she poured out her soul. And when we think of soul, it's uh, that by which she perceives, reflects, feels, desires. It's everything um, that you would have in you, right? <laughs> that she's pouring everything out to God. And she's saying, don't consider me, me to be worthless, to be one who doesn't know God. Um, and we'll see later, because we're going to look at the contrast with Eli's sons who don't know God. Um, so that's kind of a, that's an important statement there. But notice that she did not, it, does, it doesn't say that God answered her at this point. But what does Hannah do? She says she um, uh, went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad, right? She had poured out her soul to God, and then she turned it over to God. She, it didn't say at that point that God was going to give her children. She didn't know what God's response was going to be. And I think there's a lot there for us to learn that we've got to, yes, we've got to be able to pour out our soul, and then we've got to be able to trust God and say, okay, God, whatever, whatever you want here, your will be done in this area. And, and Hannah gives us a great example of that. 
So it's very powerful. And then next we see um, another important aspect of a prayer life, which is giving God glory for what he does. And if you look at verse 19 with me, and I'll read it, it says, Then they arose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord and returned again to their house in Ramah. And Elkanah had relations with Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And it came about in due time after Hannah had conceived that she gave birth to a son, and she named him Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. So what's Hannah doing there? She's giving God glory. She says, I'm, I've, I'm getting a son because I asked of God, right? Because I, asked, I have asked him of the Lord. <clears throat> and then next we see, okay, you, you've given God the glory. You made this vow. <laughs> God's come through and you've given him the glory. Now we look at the follow through by Hannah, which is also very important. We'll start out in verse 21. It says, Then the man Elkanah went up with all his household to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and pay his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, I will not go up until the child is weaned. Then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and stay there forever. Elkanah, her husband, said to her, do what seems best to you, remain until you have weaned him, only may the Lord confirm his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. Now, what's important to me here is that they continued to go up and worship and pray. Um, so they were following through with this continual prayer, which was important from the beginning, and it remains a habit. <clears throat> so... That is important to me because, again, trying to learn more about continual prayer and just how you know, they were replying it even as their prayers were being answered. And then in verse 24, it says, Now when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with a three-year-old bull and one ephah of flour and a jug of wine and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh, although the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bull and brought the boy to Eli. <clears throat> she said, O oh my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. For this boy I prayed, and the Lord has given me my petition, which I asked of him. So I have also dedicated him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is dedicated to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. So... Good follow-through again, again on the vow that she made. And we, uh, I guess Eli's probably you know, a little bit uh, surprised there, right? He's got a, a new one to uh, build into a priest. Um, but he accepts it, and uh, Hannah has followed through as she, she had planned. Um, so <clears throat> we see that... Uh, as we, I said earlier, that the prayer life was contributing to that relationship with the Lord and was a result of relationship with the Lord. And now let's compare Hannah's actions to Eli's actions. Um, 
I could stop right here, but I, as I, the further I read, I thought I've got to share the contrasts because they, you know, Eli's been part of the whole story so far. His sons have been in there, and really we continue on with this. So Hannah's actions uh, resulted in Samuel, the birth of her son, being dedicated to the priesthood, but Eli's actions resulted in worthless men. And we'll see that here in chapter 2, verse 12. Because uh, it says, Now the sons of Eli were worthless men. They did not know the Lord. Um, so what you had happening was the two sons were acting as priests in Shiloh, and people like uh, Elkanah and Hannah would bring their sacrifice, and typically they would not... Uh, give that to the priest immediately the meat would be boiled and then the priest would get the meat but what the sons wanted was they wanted to get the meat raw (laughs) so they could roast the meat instead of being boiled right and what they were actually doing was they were uh, threatening physical taking the meat by uh, force if they didn't comply the people that were going there with the sacrifice so just terrible things going on, and when you look at uh, what was happening with Samuel, you know, Samuel, he was still ministering before the Lord uh, in chapter, or verse 18. You see in 20 that um, Eli was blessing Elkanah and his wife, and that, you know, he was continuing to pray for them, and, and Hannah was conceiving. She had more children, um, so God was really blessing them still. Uh, Lord was visiting and, and so forth. But the contrast, you see, is in verse 22, you've, you've got, remember you've got Hannah. She was praying for Samuel even before he was born and making this vow and all that went into that. And now you look here at verse 22, you've got Eli. It says he was very old, all right, to so the uh, Eli is very old, and now he's addressing his sons and saying, why do you do such things, such as what we talked about earlier with a sacrifice, threatening to take that by force? And then there were, there were other terrible things they were doing too. But um, So at this old age, and the, and the boys are old, and now Eli is trying to address it with them, but uh, unfortunately... The Lord, it says in verse 25, um, the Lord desired to put them to death. Um, And we see in verse 27 that a man uh, of God came to Eli and said to him, you know, "This this is what you've done, Eli. You've honored your sons above me because he waited so late in life. He didn't do like Hannah and you know, have a good prayer life that addressed and dealt with his, her son up front. He waited and tried to correct him late in life. And God said, no, you're, you're putting them above me. And so this man is telling this to Eli, and he says, "There, because of this, uh, you will not have an old man uh, in your house forever. That men will die early in, in Eli's house, in his lineage And he said, as a sign, 
in verse 34, he says, uh, both Hophni and Phinehas will die on the same day as a sign to you. So you know this was from me. Um, so the difference here, we, yeah, we want to follow Hannah's example <laughs> instead of Eli's example. And now, now I'm, this example was specifically about children, but it's, it's applicable to other parts of our life, right? In her case, it was, you know, she was, uh, uh, you know, had these um, uh, things that she was dealing with as far as being tormented by the other wife and so forth. Um, and those are, those are reality, as we said earlier. Um, you know, so, but, and she, you know, both her husband, you know, dealt with it by favoritism to her. And she was getting caught up in the rivalry, and she was irreconcilable, like we said earlier. You know, she, um, the husband said, aren't I enough? And and it wasn't at the time, right? But you've got to give her credit that that she went to God in prayer. She poured out her soul. She made a vow to God, and, um, uh, you know, she... With that, she, um, with that vow, she was going to uh, separate and dedicate Samuel um, to God, uh, and then she was able to put that aside and, um, you know, let God's will be done. You know, she got up from the table and she was eating, or she was able to go back to eating and be happy, not sad. Um, and then we, and then we saw that she gave God glory. And follow through on that vow, which, um, you know, again, giving your son away was no easy task. But God blessed her and had other children, and she still went to visit Samuel and so forth. But um, just a great story. Uh, And she and her husband continued the practice of worshiping and prayer. They continued to go up there year after year to Shiloh to make sacrifice and pray. So... Just what a wonderful example um, and, and contrast, uh, you know, rough contrast there, seeing how Eli and his sons, you know, what, what the effect was there that, um, uh, you know, that, that uh, God judged them for, and what was it? It was putting people before God, right? And that's another important part in our prayer life is to, to be bold <clears throat> in our vows to God, um, and also to make sure that those prayers, those vows, are um, addressing that aspect of making God number one, you know, God above all else. So we've got to be careful with that. Um, you know, these are all good reminders um, in our prayer life. Uh, and we and we want to ultimately uh, make sure that God is getting the glory and that He is the priority in, in everything that we're praying about. That um, I I um, have learned so much from this. I hope it was good for you today. Now let's let's pray. Uh, Lord, thank you for just your story of Hannah and uh, sharing with us the 
the human side of her and us, that we have these uh, human responses to what you have going on in our life, your sovereignty, God, and, and uh, help us not to be sidetracked by them. It can be distressful, and you um, give us opportunity to lift it up to you in prayer, and I pray that we would do that on a continual basis, that we would learn from this and be, um, be bold in, in what we are committing to you, God, separating whatever it is, whether it's time or um, uh, what it might be, and, and dedicating things to you, Lord, appropriately, because you are our creator, and uh, we want to be uh, ones who have this good prayer life, able to, to, um, uh, to put things aside after we raise it up to you, and, and then continue on and be ones that glorify you if you answer that prayer, Lord, and uh, ones who um, continue to worship and pray to you, Father. Uh, again, thank you for today. Thank you for your, your son and his, his sacrifice on the cross for us and that we can be um, born again and have his spirit in us and we can, we can learn and change from this and grow. And we praise you for it in Christ's name. Amen.